Are you angry at the election? Are you pissed off at your girlfriend or boyfriend? Then you should come to Title Boxing Club Alpharetta. That's Title Boxing Club Alpharetta, where I teach my comedy kickboxing class. Title Boxing Club Alpharetta is a proud sponsor of the Comedy Fitness Podcast. Now, you know it's about fitness, but you want to punch stuff, you want to hit stuff, you want to do it right, you want to do it in an atmosphere that's fun, that's inviting, that's unsafe. Learn how to punch, learn how to kick at TitleBoxingClub.com. That's TitleBoxingClubAlpharetta.com, where the punchlines hit hard. You can contact them at 770-864-5492 that is 770-864-5492 come to my comedy kickboxing class the first shot is always free I just got a putter from my dad and a driver does that make me a golfer and a bag of balls no no that makes you a putt putt golfer <laughs> but I was going to go to Top Golf and learn. It's not, no, no. You can spend a lot of money at Top Golf. It's expensive. It's it is expensive, but it's fun. Young you know. hipster bougie. It is a lot of a lot of pretty women at Top Golf. Oh yeah, it was like it was like Hooters with slightly better food and <laughs> golf balls. Right. Uh, I would go anytime. But I, it's a sport that I was hoping to grow into because I think golf is about money and time. Yeah, and there's a lot of deals that are done uh, on a golf course. Business stuff. Business stuff. Business so. stuff. Speak about deals, ladies and gentlemen. This is Don Gray. The Comedy Fitness Podcast coming right at you. I brought two of my passions together, comedy and fitness, to give you something new, something fresh every week. I have the proud pleasure to be working with a great comedian, William Lee Martin. How are you, sir? I like all three names. Yeah, you so, do? Yeah, they're all three first names, so that it helps. I, I think I used to go by Donnell Keith Gray. <laughs> really? Yeah, and then I shortened it to Don Gray because Donnell was too Negroish. People couldn't spell it? No, it was really, people kept <laughs> expecting a blacker show than I presented. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I was Cowboy Bill Martin for 19 years on Wanted stage. Wanted to talk about that. And uh, changed it uh, just recently to mm-hmm. uh, just William Lee Martin. Kind of the opposite uh, direction of it. Uh, my son and I sat down, and my son is uh, 27, and he's brilliant. He's uh, got a degree in finance, but he started taking over my career about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and uh we've been running the business part uh, the business yeah. part yeah, yeah. so uh, you know with the charity and and the other stuff that i've got going and you know the one hour special we produced ourselves so we're producing other uh people's uh, comedy special this uh this fall uh another cat and uh, starting to work through that whole thing yeah and uh so my son sat down one day and he said you know let's just talk about your demographic of who exactly that you're going after and mm-hmm. uh and what we talked about was the fact that my like he had a great analogy he said that uh you know if if you went to a really nice tire shop mom and pop tire shop uh the the husband and wife who own the tire shop and everybody in the office love my act yeah. love my act the guys out changing the tires uh, they, they like it, uh, but I'm not really their guy. Gotcha. Their guy is, you know, more the Rodney Carrington, yeah. uh, the uh, Ron White, you know, uh, yeah, boobies and uh, uh, catchphrases, you know, mm-hmm. the get her done, yeah. Larry the Cable Guy. Hooks, yeah. And I, and I, I didn't have any of that, mm-hmm. right? And Cowboy Bill is a name that my grandfather gave me. A lot of people think that I've made it up. No, that was a I've legit created, nickname was, that you had before comedy. Before, uh, the first day I was born. Yeah. His name is William Lee. My name is William Lee. He was called Little Bill and he hated it because he's a big guy like I was, mm-hmm. a big German guy. And uh, and he hated it and he said, call him Cowboy Bill. And I found out later is uh, because he was a big fan of wrestling. Not wrestling, but wrestling. wrestling. Right? Wrestling. And uh, Cowboy Bill Watts was a big wrestler in the 50s and 60s. Oh, I've heard that name. And that he, so that's where the name actually came from. Gotcha. And then about, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, so my son and I were sitting down and talking and I said, well, let's send over to my agent in New York. Uh, I've got a Jew 
Jewish agent uh, in New York. Best ones to have. Well, they're so yeah. rare to find. No, exactly. Hard to find. They're like you bankers can't find and a Jewish agent. Mm-mm. And uh, so I s- said, send me a one sheet on, on what I'm doing, right? And who I am. And it had stuff in there like this cowboy, blah, 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 blah. And then yeah. when you see him on stage, you realize it's not his first rodeo. Mm-hmm. And I sent him a deal back and I said, nine years we've been working together and you truly don't know how to describe You my don't act. know me. I, I, I know. have an adversary relationship with agents and bookers, but sometimes they don't take the time they need to for their clients. But he's seen the act. I mean, he yeah, knows the but, act, but he doesn't know how to describe it. And okay. if you can't describe it, then you can't sell it. No. And if you think, and I told him, I said, cowboy bill, it's not an adjective. Cowboy is not an adjective That's of a bill. It, it's part of my name. It's a mm-hmm. noun. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't put this Roger or this Don, da 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 And then the stuff about the rodeo, I don't talk about rodeo on stage. I know rodeo. I grew up around rodeo and, and with rodeo, but that I narrow my audience with that. Well, no, exactly. Like you, you, you're from a country background. Absolutely. Like you, you grew up. You grew up in the country. You grew up riding. Right. Doing all Still that do. stuff. And so the, it's it's legitimate. And you you know it, 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 as far as how you present yourself. But I understand it became. I mean, not like a, not like a. a not like a cage anyway, but it, you felt like maybe it was holding you back. I well, you know, I, I, I do. I, I just, I just felt like people. Some people wouldn't come to the show, and that's what you never want. I, I don't, I don't exactly. want. I don't want some. That's why I don't do political stuff. That's why I don't go to the left or, or, or over to the far right. You don't want to alienate. I just want to stay in the middle. And by the way, we, we, we full disclosure, we've been working all week uh, on the show. You've been destroying it. Well, thanks, You've man. absolutely been destroyed. I do a lot of comedy. I talk to a lot of comics. You're, you've been killing it all week. And it's one of those things, like, uh, I think you're right. Because especially, like, Friends of the State Black Folks, for instance. Like, uh, there are certain black folks that might see the cowboy hat or might hear the word in your name, cowboy, da-da-da. That might be like, hmm. Right. I know. I used to have, when I was young, I used to have a visceral reaction to cowboy hats. I just think, oh, maybe <laughs> they won't like me. Right. But that's my own prejudice. Right. I mean, everybody can be right. prejudiced. You know, white folks don't own prejudice. But absolutely. My, my, my mama... Love you, Mama. It's probably the most <laughs> racist person you ever meet. Uh-huh. She makes up. No, I love her to death. She makes up names for people. All right, uh, but um, I think it's one of those things. And I think it's comedy. You always want to be accessible. Of course, we have a point of view. But I think you want to be accessible as many audiences as you can to see if they like you or not, and that's up for them to decide. And I think well, yeah, right and, and and for me, you know, uh, I, all I want to do is go out and and I want people to slap each other and go, man, that's you. When yeah, I want them to relate to because mm-hmm. I'm a storyteller, as you know, yeah. and, and uh, a lot of you know, I try to get a lot of punches in those stories. You know, I in fact, let's talk about comedy for a minute. Just say, so you know, you know, comedy fitness podcast. We talk about comedy and fitness, but let's talk about some technical comedy stuff you wrote. You get. A lot of LPMs, and I'm not a comedy nerd, nerd, and I don't talk about last per minute a lot and stuff. This doesn't not gonna take a big part of the podcast, but you fit a lot of punchlines in a story because you're a modern storyteller, like a lot of us comics are. It's not set up punchline, set up punchline, but you get a lot in there. I try, you know, when I write, uh, I always try to write the core of the joke mm-hmm. and and see what I can take out of the joke to get uh, the last per minute up. Uh, because so many times we want to describe more than we actually need to. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, I, the other day I had a, a comic friend of mine from New York. She called me and she said, I'm working on this bit. And where is it? 
and I said, well, first of all, you're telling me too much of the story for to care to anybody. Yeah, exposition. Way too much exposition yeah, a lot of times. So just get to the line of the joke and then work yourself backwards. So see what all you can cut out. And a great exercise for that, if you're a young comic, listen to this thing. Listen up, young comics. It, 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 write a Twitter joke. So it's in it, the way I say it is uh, it's 140 characters, right? Mm-hmm. And see how how close you can get to the joke with just those 140 characters. See if you can actually get to the punchline within the 140, and you'll realize how many words you truly don't need in the actual joke just to get to it. That is perfect. Listen, hipster joke writers on Twitter, that's perfect. Because this is good. And I'm not making fun of hipsters, even though I do make fun of hipsters. But like that, that is so easy. Like I, I'm going to start doing this. You get on Twitter, and if you find it, you can do if you can get as quick as you can to the punchline 140 characters well you can also do it That's you know great. and you can just do it if you're you know working on word or mac or writing yeah. stuff that way you know you can do the word count and you can just keep it up with that and and uh i'm telling you every bit that i do i, I look to see if there's words i can take out instead of add and and that's the problem that most of us have is that we keep adding words it's faster than funny yeah it's always about getting to the funny faster so now okay so when did when did comedy start uh, for me, I, I had, uh, you know, I graduated college and, uh, and then I wrote advertising for nine years out of college wow. and, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, and I hated every minute of it. You know, a lot of young people won't know who this is, but I thought I was going to be the next Darren Stevens from Bewitched. Oh yeah. Act- yeah. Straight up actor. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought, oh. it, cause he was an advertiser. Oh geez. That's so that's what happened. I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to come up with a wacky campaign every week. Right. And instead, every witch sp- wife come in and save yeah, the day. Yeah. And I, Instead, I was spending, uh, you know, 45, 50 hours a week uh, doing preprint stuff and, mm. you know, sending out ads. And, and we did space allocations. So when you walk into a store, the signs and, and the direction that you go was the stuff that we did. And I was pretty good at it. But I hated every minute of it. Yeah. It just wasn't fulfilling. And, and on the side, I'd gone through a, a divorce when I was 25. And then I started. And I was always a writer, always been a writer, uh, even quietly. You know, I'd make up stories and everything else when I was a kid. Yeah. So that was always a passion that I had but no way to express it when you're you know in middle school and high school and you're in Texas and you're a boy right so no, you just, right? you just write but I got you know, like the editor you queer son writing all this yeah. story what the hell you doing well, my dad didn't want me to take typing <laughs> <laughs> I ain't having no typer <laughs> <laughs> in this damn house that's funny so so uh, uh, but so always I, been in the writing always been in the writing so right. I'm 25 years old I'm, I'm in advertising 26 years old divorced so I wrote a book called Life Under the Neon Moon now that she's gone and took the dog with her and it's all repeat that uh, life under the neon moon now that she's gone and took the dog with her that is the name of the book that was that you wrote at 25 at 26 yeah okay 26 okay somewhere there but everybody's told me that it read like stand-up but it it was it was right when garth brooks had made it big you know Mm -hmm. 92 93 so country music was the top thing yeah you know uh in the country and everybody's going back to country bars so there was rules in there on on what women to ask to dance and you know you you never ask a woman to dance if she had on a purse because that's an easy out for her she has nowhere to put her purse you know uh-huh. never never that's walk yeah never walk uh, and ask a woman to dance unless she can do the exit behind her because if you had to walk to her ask her and she says no the rejection of coming back is a rejection everybody can see 
see that. But if you can just keep going, you just look at your watch. You know, like you, she'd ask the time. I like You're it. Like, eh. And you look at that, and nobody knows that you got shot down. And so there's all these rules for dating for sensitive men. I needed this. That's I what. Needed, that's I needed, all. I, needed, all I wish I had a hip hop pamphlet when I was trying to go to raves and stupid <laughs> shit. I could have used that. Well, they, that's what. It, so it read like stand up. Yeah. And I was really uh, into uh, a lot of stand up at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I were was, you a student of stand up before you became a stand up? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, uh, and it really started with Bill Cosby himself. Yeah. Uh, and my father, who laughed at nothing in life, uh, I saw him uh, in tears laughing and uh, at the entire album and and uh, you know watching it. it was, I guess it was on HBO at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all those those bits and then and then I was a big fan of Eddie and uh, you know. Quick sidebar: I've seen so many comics life or be go, decide to go into comedy. There's other ways, other paths to try to get there, but they uh, they saw a parent laugh or yeah. express real true joy of a parent that didn't usually do that. Right. And they saw the kind of release they got from doing that, and it was very personal about what the power of laughter could do to them. And they're like, okay, if I can do it to this guy, then and it, it's just something that grows from there. Well, it's uh, funny that you say that. My second on. album was called The Power of Laughter. Yeah, true. <laughs> and it really was. It, uh, you know, my uh, so I loved the yeah. whole stand-up concept. Mm-hmm. And I, was, you know, I liked Robert Klein. I liked some of the smarter guys, yeah. but then I liked some of the sillier stuff. And and uh, big pool. And then one day I lost my job in advertising. We all did. We got yeah. sold to another company. We got sold to a company in Atlanta. And uh, so we were out of a job on a Monday. And and uh, I called everybody that I knew mm-hmm. to tell them that I got fired. And uh, nobody wanted to talk to me really. Yeah. I mean, even my, my best friends you know they're too busy they feel bad you know? but they're like what but, are you gonna do yeah, you need they, to stay i mean yeah. do you money yet yeah you know? so i called my grandmother and she said what do you want to do and i said i don't know and she said well, won't you go home and look in the mirror and ask yourself are you happy just huh. start out with that she said you're almost 30 years old and you never smile great advice grandma and I, oh wow it, yeah because i was tied to a beeper you know yeah. and and that's back when the beepers were uh, big and you weren't and, selling uh, drugs. Was I wasn't work. selling drugs. I was writing advertising, so yeah, I was work, always having work, 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 work. And uh, and I like say I did. I didn't though. I I went home and I stayed in the fetal position for five and a half months. Would have been six, but unemployment ran out in five and a half. <laughs> you had to get up. Yeah, and true story. The UPS driver comes next door to deliver a package, and my neighbors weren't there, so I go next door to get the package. But I actually, looking back on it, I went next door to tell him my sad story. I don't know the guy from Adam. Oh. <laughs> when you throw in a pity party, everybody's invited, yeah. right? <laughs> so, so I tell him I'm fired. I'm a single dad. Don't know how he's going to make ends meet. And he looks at me like, good, that's one less box I'll bring out here, dude. <laughs> you go in the house and get some dignity. <laughs> You're just bleeding all over emotionally. The poor UPS guy's like, dude, I wore a brown outfit. Oh, no. What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> so I went home that day and I turned off the television and the <laughs> phone, all the distractions of life. And and uh, I had a four-hour conversation uh, with God, I believe. Yeah. About, about 24 inches away from a mirror just staring mm-hmm. at myself and I, I started out with am I happy just that yeah, four, hour. four hour conversation just where my life was I was mm-hmm. divorced mm-hmm. I was uh, you know for a long time I was I was going to bars and getting either hammered and either find a Vices, find a drink, woman yeah. or a fight and, I, yeah. and, and at some point I didn't care which one drinking whore and fighting maybe all three at the same time yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you know my life was really just it was not where I I had imagined that it would be yeah. at this point you know I'm 30 years old and got nothing to live for and, and to do for it, except my mm-hmm. son at the yeah. time 
and uh and then it just kind of struck me and then and i could see you know just as i'm asking myself i see this manuscript that everybody keeps saying it he's like stand up and it just kind of hit me and i called my grandmother i said you know since i was five years old singing the old rugged cross all by myself at the first evangelical methodist church on sunday nights i knew i wanted to be on stage and television radio and print i knew that's where i wanted to be Mm -hmm. and she said go for it and i said what if i lose this house she said buy you another one boy she said i don't want you to be 30 50 or 80 and go through the would have could have or should have of life this is from a woman that found out that she had a tumor on her lung about the size of my fist and dying of lung cancer and she was my very best friend and 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 and, and that's when it all started man and, grandma and the first time i ever went on stage so i lost my job on february 17th 1996 mm-hmm. and uh may mm-hmm. uh 17th 1996 was my first time on stage ever we're at uh hyenas comedy club in arlington it's now closed yeah. the arlington location mm-hmm. is and uh so my best friend graylin johnson was in the audience and i mean i'd rehearsed for support just for support, help out yeah right and and i got i got five minutes memorized and my opening line used to be hi my name is uh, cowboy bill martin and uh, i'm not going to sing to you but my life has become a sad country and western song oh, okay. that's how i started out, you know that's so good. it wasn't funny but it was an intro when we all start right? we got to find a place to start, start starting point mm-hmm. so uh and i had to follow a guy named charles brockman and uh one of the funniest cats he's now out of comedy but man he was a headliner when so yeah. it's an open mic and the open mic in you know 96 was hot back then yeah. there's 140 people in the room and uh so charles goes up and absolutely just tears apart the room mm-hmm. and then uh they go we got this new guy you heard him on radio because i was doing i i got in a gig i pushed my way into a gig uh, uh called crying love and leaving uh-huh. and uh so i was doing the call-in based on the book on this thing so this oh, all, nice, man. Oh, so I, you had a little bit of I was hustling, hustling. You had yeah i was hustling already that's good. That's because good. uh i wasn't gonna go do another thing this is what i was gonna go do is comedy yeah so suddenly i was gonna push everything uh into that area you went at it like he professional yeah i went at it uh, what i used to call is like the vikings the vikings had a, a strange approach they Ooh. they would pull up to a country yeah. and they would get everybody off the boat and then they would set fire to the boat so you either conquered or you died but either way it wasn't no retreat in order to get back we have to build another yeah we boat, got so. we got to win <laughs> so wow that's kind of the mentality that i had when i got into this thing and and uh so they go you've heard him on the radio i've done it two weeks in a row you know yeah. <laughs> so cowboy bill martin and i go up and uh do the clapping and I, I can't remember anything i can't even remember my name and cowboy bill is a name i was given at birth <laughs> and uh i said uh I'm, I'm sorry folks i'm a virgin at this this is my first time and they all clapped like oh supportive you know. yeah supportive oh, i mean Jesus, the crowd's that's hot. beautiful yeah they're hot you know they're, yeah. they're like go ahead do your thing and i had the line mm-hmm. they stopped clapping and and then I can't remember it again, right? And now sweat is building up in my mustache. So, and I still remember the taste of salt like I've never, ever tasted it before, right? Yeah. I mean, I am sweating profusely. No, flop sweats on stage. Every right comic's there. had it. Yeah. And, uh, and my first actual line on stage was an ad lib. Uh, I go, wow, this is like being a virgin because I've tried it twice and I petered out kind of quick. Why don't we all hug for about 50 minutes and I'll try it again? And they all laughed. And, That's great. And then I hit the line. Hi, my name is Cowboy Bill. And, and so now I'm doing the jokes, right? And they're, okay. getting, and they're getting laughs. Yeah. They're getting, I'm, I actually 
actually got you know big laughs. Are you stopping these, to um, let them laugh? Yes, that? Whoa, but good. I had my five minutes memorized without the applause. Laughs. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and it took me a long time to even get started. So I'm only getting five minutes, and I'm oh. so now I'm going long. Yeah. And the guy in the back gives me the light. Well, I don't know what the light is, <laughs> and nobody told me what. I thought the manager was in the back going, "Keep going, buddy. You're doing great. You're doing great. Come Morse on. code for you're awesome. <laughs> I thought that was that was it. And I walked off, and he goes, ah, "That was really good, man. That, that was really good for your first time, especially." But uh, uh, when I give you the light, that means get off. I go, "Is that what that means?" Yeah. And I've been accused twenty years later, still not knowing what the light means. But well, now it's for different reasons. Now you're doing it all, but <laughs> it's still kind of a purpose. But I mean, yeah, it is, man. Like I find with stand up, you know. It, you get up there, man. Sometimes you're in the moment so much. And sometimes yeah. it's so good. It is the best drug ever. Like, it, it, it's hard to explain to anybody else who doesn't do it. I'm sure other people have vices, but the emotions you get from a good stand-up set when people are really rolling, I don't know we're replicatable. I know that we're always chasing the dragon to find them. And I understand, like, it's every time we every time we want to be up there, man, it's, 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 it's always a little bit for us. I mean, yeah, they're having a great time, but oh, man, but we're, that's, we're lucky. We're so lucky like that. Well, and, and oh. you know, and I, I have been... Yeah, I'm I'm probably pretty loose on the time sometime, you know, and and uh, but man, it's, it's, and, I, it's, you know, and I I have that reputation, and I understand that. It's your but time, it's though. It's so you know? selfish on my part, and I get that part too. But you know, one of these days when I they put me in a box, or in my case, I yeah. I, I can't. I'm I'm claustrophobic, so I'm just gonna have them set me ablaze. And, me too. And uh, and, uh, and besides, I, I think it's kind of arrogant to take up. A plot of land for a long time like you're that. taking a valuable real estate real estate we're so. gonna and we're gonna build something over you anyway right and uh and two generations you're two generations away from nobody knowing who you were and yes. or where you're buried at anyway and it's true. but anyway it's so true. uh uh i just figured when, I, when my time's up uh if somebody goes man he went long uh i go yeah first of all it's usually another comic on, <laughs> on earth i went long <laughs> exactly and besides man i think it's one of those things where you gotta love what you do and you gotta keep doing it. i know me personally like i uh, see but you're okay i was i've been at the shows okay you're absolutely destroying it man and they're loving it like i get off stage on time you know why because i'm done <laughs> okay they don't want to see me anymore and i i want to go too <laughs> things are going good but listen, no, don you're doing I'm ready great to go on home. stage you're doing great on stage oh, there, no, are, there are there are some uh, folks that get mad at me for going long <laughs> And I like I get it though. They, and they go, uh, you know, I can get off in twenty five minutes. Well, you should have got off in seventeen because <laughs> you've been done a while. <laughs> so, but so you, the minute you started stand up, it was good. The minute I started, it was good. You did. But we all have bad sets, but you didn't quote unquote do the first time bomb thing. Like you didn't. No, the first time I went up, it was amazing. As a matter of fact, I I really got on a roll early. So I went from opening act to headliner in in two years. Jesus, and then everybody says, uh, you know. Uh, so then the rumors. You? Oh my God! Oh jeez, I was I was a hack. I was uh, it was because I had a I was on radio, and then it's because I Cause you have a cowboy hat. Uh, yeah, I it's had a hat. cowboy hat. Hats telling jokes, and then it's uh. So I had all these things. That, the reason that I was uh, uh, become you know a headliner quick, mm -hmm. and the fact is I I already had the manuscript, so I had material Dude. that I had already written out for four years before I ever tried this thing. People didn't see that. Plus, I started teaching uh, comedy defensive driving. 
immediately the reps the reps of just getting up I on stage I went to comedy driving school as a, as a student by the way well, and, then, driving and, school and, and if you could make 17 people laugh who didn't want to be there angry I could make hours. 220 people laugh who wanted to be there mm-hmm. and and then I was gave, given great advice by headliners in the very beginning too and and I also shut up a lot around headliners you know these days you get around a head, you know you get these new comics around you and they tell you how how they are doing what they're doing how YouTube they're doing channel it. they got this going on they got which is which is great but it, it, comedy is about tenure it really is it's about tenure and reps it's not about respect so much but it takes time to get good at this and to know your own voice it took me probably and like i said uh there's a difference between a headliner and a closer a headliner can close a show a closer uh, nobody can close after him. Yes. It done. shuts down the room. That's why it's called close. close. Closure. Uh, so I was a headliner a year two. I didn't become a closer until about year 16. I understand. And now, uh, you know, for the last four, five, six years, I, I just feel like I really hit a stride. Okay, now let's, let's talk about that. Now, now I always say, ask comics, when did you make it? Now, we have a lot of pie in the sky dreams as comics and there's things we want to do, but how do you feel now? Do you feel... Do you feel making it, or do you sort of well, more that you want? Want? Oh yeah, there's always more that I want. You know, I, I think I push myself harder than anybody else would. Obviously, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I'm the only one that cares about this career as much as as they do. No, exactly. And uh, but uh, so there's a lot of want that I have, but a lot of the make it that I truly feel is, uh, you know, I've been able to provide for my family. Uh, I I really enjoy my my time on stage. Uh, I've made an impact on on some folks' lives. You know, I've had people say that they just lost their father or whatever, and then they, they hadn't laughed. And you know, I carry a coin in my pocket, uh, a military coin. And uh, it, it, I was the fifth guy signed with the managers of the Blue Collar Tour back in 2003. Yes. So they had a new management company, and they asked me to, you know, to for them to rep me. And <laughs> excuse me, and I, and I was ready. And I thought I was ready, but mentally I wasn't ready. Mature wise uh, on my act, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I leave there a year later, year mm-hmm. and a half, because that tour exploded and they didn't need guys like me right so I was an afterthought so then I find myself in Oklahoma City at the Looney Bend Company Club yeah I know that one and uh, Friday night second show babysitting a bunch of drunks yeah you ever play whack-a-mole you know where they're popping up you gotta hit them that's what it felt like on stage that night shut up shut up shut up telling jokes jokes here. here And uh, I come off stage. I don't even pitch on my merchandise. That's how much I hated these people. I don't even want your money. Peace two fingers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I walk off stage and I go to the bar and and this kid walks up to me and I say, kid, couldn't have been more than 20, 21 years old. He said, hey, man, I got something. And I'm still very much into what I've gone through, yes. right? The horror that I've just experienced of 45 minutes of people not paying a, a complete attention to my greatness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and I say that facetiously but this uh, uh, kid said uh, hey man uh, me and my best friend uh, went to elementary middle school high school together we go to uh, 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 boot camp together we enlisted on the same day the Marines go to boot camp together go to Iraq together on the buddy program and then uh, about three months ago I get the flu can't go out on a patrol with him and they've got the windows rolled down because the air conditioner wouldn't work in the Humvee they take direct RPG on the inside of the vehicle and all four of them died that day. And he said, Bill, I haven't laughed since. 
He said, until tonight, man, he said, I know you're frustrated, but when you told that lady, uh, how dirty can this thing be on a podcast? Oh, dirty. Oh, he said, when you told the ladies you put the cunt in country, he said, I <laughs> fell on the floor crying, laughing. Yep. <coughs> Excuse the me. The power he, of laughter. And then he, and then he said, uh, and then he reaches into his pocket. He said, on the day that we recruited, the recruiter gave us matching recruiting coins. They're mm. called challenge coins. Yeah. I want to give you his. And oh, I go, wow. no, dude, because you keep that, and, you know, because when you're drinking, you get emotional. He goes, no, man, I, I you know, I uh, I got all these other memories and memorabilia and everything else with him. But I needs to give it away. But I, tonight you reminded me, because I told him at the end, you know, just get on with getting on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and uh, so it's been in my pocket for every show that I've ever done since 2000. And, and, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Four when he gave it to me, and um, so it's a reminder that that sometimes that that why people like to trivialize what we do, they do. It truly it's can. Though. It it truly can help somebody because let's face it, big time. The, uh, the endorphins that you get, you know the the pureness of it all. Laughter is the best medicine. Everybody needs it. It is not easy to make someone laugh. We are no, no comics in general are not respected enough uh, in general, and. Funny isn't respected enough. I think we take it for granted. People think everybody thinks they have a good sense of humor, first of all, and people think they're funny, you know, in general. But to be an actual comic, to be a Tuesday at eight o'clock, right? Present laughter. Jerry Seinfeld had a great deal. quote about it. He said, uh, "Everybody's been funny at a party. Everybody's yes. been funny around friends. Mm -hmm. But to have a piece of material that works in front of total strangers is like going from earth to heaven." And and you know, I experienced some of that. Man, sometimes it's just uh, the show that we. I did on Friday night, uh, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. No, Friday night. It's Friday night, the late yeah. show, eleven thirty. There was just so much pure fun yeah. in the thing that uh, I'm like, and I have to take a moment and thank God, you know, that I even get to do something like that. And I, I don't want to sound like we're curing cancer, but who knows what we're curing? Exactly. With the endorphins that go on, and and I know what it does for me. And you know, I remember that sometimes I always think about what the ten-year-old William Lee would think about the fifty-year-old William Lee. And Be impressed. Hey, first of all, I got a full-size arcade game yeah, in my house. He wants to play with his shit. Okay. Yeah. No, a yeah, full-size arcade game at the house with four pods on it. You know, like Richie Rich yeah. did in '84. Yeah, right? no, I like that stuff. I like the big, huge oh, Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, Street Fighter, the real ones. Well, like we got ones. all those in there. In so one, yeah, yeah. So I had it at my house forever and it didn't work and my, when we moved into the new house in May my wife was like look you're either going to fix this thing or we're giving it away it's big yeah and I yeah. said well baby it's like and I never waste money yeah. never I don't even spend $19 to move into the exit row half the time <laughs> right and she's cheap like, is good I want to be cheap no it was she's like either do it or don't so I called the guy and they had a guy come over and pick it up and it was gone for a month and he called me and he said hey I got all the new games on there and I said dude I don't want any new games on there I, 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 that's what I told you because I thought you were kidding I go no I want everything from 1979 to about 1991 or 92 so it's got Pac-Man it's got oh, Galaga got it's got Space Invaders it's, it's got, got Pong you hear me Pong's on there you got Pong on there Pong is on there it is a, that's nice and, and and the 10 year old because I, I would 
kid, when I was love a kid, it. I, you know, it, it, arcade came out in like 1978, yeah. 79. That's when they first started uh, Space Invaders and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I would collect bottles and stuff and to get enough money to, to ride my bike to Saginaw, which is seven miles away, just to play these arcade games. At the mall. At the, where, well, where no, we had an arcade. We had a little. Junkie. Huh? I was a, I was a stand. I was a quarter. Boy, oh yeah, because I was the end of the eighties. I would do, <laughs> we actually play. We had to fight for our video games. He had to ride bikes, people. I know to a place that you put games. And that's by the way, that's a good segue because it is comedy fitness. The podcast where we do talk about movement. <laughs> and other than other than the video game training, and we will talk more about comedy because I'm, I'm gonna have you here for a while, man. If you don't mind, we're gonna do a, a comedy fitness two parter, a rare two parter okay. with uh, my man William Lee Martin. And so we've been talking about your career. And and man, I, we're gonna get back to some of that because I want a, the story about your special, okay. something that the audience has to hear, and also. But let's talk about, you know, we do talk about comedy fitness, and we want to help some people. Now, did fitness or, or health ever take a place in any of the transformations that you know when you were going thinking about in your career? Like, oh yeah, did, did, you know, like for instance, there's times when we're being really unhealthy, not drinking a lot, and you're fine, uh, drinking a lot, and that you found it okay. Let me clean that part up too, in order so I can. Yeah, well, for me, the drinking, uh, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like to admit it, but I enjoy it. Hello. I, I've always, as long as I'm drinking tequila, I am the most lovable life of the party. I love, and so you're very fun on tequila, and that's a harsh drink. Makes a lot of people angry. Well, I'm the opposite. Yeah. If I drink like a brown liquor, like a bourbon or a whiskey, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get in a fight. Mm. But tequila, I love everybody, and everybody seems to love me. Yeah. Everything's great. I, I just got tired of being tired. Yeah, and then I started gaining weight. You know, around the belly and underneath that's what the happens. chin. Alcohol's got a lot of calories. That's why you I know. say drink li- white liquors. <laughs> well, you know, I drink was. white liquors. Wait, but you're drinking. Well, but I'm excessive. also drinking beer with it, and now yeah, I'm drinking Michelob Ultra, which is water with a little splash of beer. That is a bad it. beer that you drink. You do drink. That well, you know, 96 calories for a big old jug of it. And, oh, uh, but at some point, uh, you know, I, I I never had to worry about my weight, and uh, and then and then suddenly I got a roll, and uh, this is going to sound like a bit because it is, uh, but it's a true story. Hmm. So I got a roll on uh, uh, Dallas, right? Oh, yeah. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah. So the new one. And uh, so my agent calls me like two days before I am uh, got the big actoral mm-hmm. debut going to go on the set. And he goes, hey, man, have you thought about losing some weight? And I said, it's tomorrow, asshole. <laughs> what was you and and he said, this is a true story. He said, uh, have you thought about wearing Spanx for men? Okay. And, <laughs> and think now, about it now. Now, if you don't know what Spanx is, it, it first came out of Spanx for women. Okay. And if you don't know what that product is, have you ever gone out with your wife or your girlfriend and her ass looks amazing through mm-hmm. dinner? And then you go in the bedroom and she makes this noise. Blah, 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 blah. Well, she had on Spanx. By Sarah Blakely. She's the queen of fraud. <laughs> a lot of men have made accidents based on what Sarah Blakely has made with Spanx. Go on. Well, they make it for men, too. Yeah. So, I go, uh, yeah, I look, go look at it. It's $56 for just one plain white t-shirt, okay? Oh, God. This already goes against my principle of buying plain white t-shirts. Yes. I've been wearing a plain white shirt underneath my starch uh, collared shirts since I was two years old in short-legged pants. For $56, I ought to get 72 Fruit of the Loom. You hear me? Yes, a lot of them. $56, I ought to get 72 Fruit of the Loom and the Fruit of the Loom guys behind me singing and dancing and shit. Not an extra tight shirt. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I get home and I'm claustrophobic and I can't even get it over my big fat head, you know, and I finally <laughs> get my head through it like I just birthed myself. Mm-hmm. And then it's balled up like a weird man's sports bra that you then get to unroll over your own fatty flesh. Press lady, you have to mold out the titties. <laughs> like, I got to press down. Like <laughs> I know. And then I look in the mirror and look like I just need to take a shit. Just, uh, was it uncomfortable? How uncomfortable? Oh, my was God. It? it was like, I know. And then when you take it off, it like you just open up a can of biscuits. <laughs> Did you actually wear it to the audition? I wore it. I wore it. Good, for, I'd already did, did, I already got the part. Oh, okay. You got the part. You yeah, I, I was a cop. The cop the Detective Riley Anderson. I had three big scenes in it with Bobby Ewing, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, and they even gave me a plastic gun and everything, man. It was, <laughs> yeah, they said that. action. I twirled that gun. True story. You twirled the gun. <laughs> yeah, and they go, don't do that shit no more. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was a comic. That's how I got the gig anyway. So he thought it was funny. Yeah, just don't and, do that. Uh, but, uh, but I got cut out of, uh, of the entire... We had an episode watching. But this, this is true. We yeah. had an episode watching party at the house so all my family and friends i mean like 70 people yeah. at my house we put a tv in the bathroom it's a so big if you deal i'm on a tv it, show i'm on dallas Everybody, and we got to on. the first scene and and i wasn't in it my wife knew when the scene was coming right yeah. and she goes what do you want me doing i go i don't know and then we got to the next scene i wasn't in that one she goes what do you want me doing now and i go get the motherfucker out of here <laughs> <laughs> they cut you out it was devastating oh, yeah god, devastating out. oh god <laughs> And they don't call you when they do. No, that they don't shit. tell no, you. They don't tell no, you. you put it on Facebook. No. You look like a dickhead. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but you're like everybody's there. Where the hell is it? And then start you hear whispering like, I thought it was in this one. Uh, oh, I thought it. Was. We eat the chicken. Uh, eat the fucking chicken. <laughs> people walking out of my house. It was it was the saddest. They wouldn't make eye contact. Like, hey man, hey, you get them next time. Go get them next time. What kind of phrase? Do? Yeah, yo, go get them. Break a leg. <laughs> oh, and you can hear people whispering. I told you that some bitch wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's wanted to come over. And then they gave me another part in it. And the second time, true, I was a construction worker, right? And I had two small scenes. But then my truck had this big scene, right? Your truck? My truck. Because my truck had been beat up by this hail damage, right? Oh, okay. So they wanted a truck that looked like it had oh. been in construction sites, right? Oh, the truck. We're talking yeah, about the truck. The yeah. truck. Uh, we talked about it at lunch yeah. the other day. So uh, I knew even if my part got cut out, because now I was a construction worker. So mm-hmm. Bobby, their place was being... Uh, repoed right because they're losing everything Bobby Ewing was mm-hmm. and so I, I'd supposedly been working for Bobby forever and I tell him I go thanks I've been working for you forever I can't believe you and I get my truck and I'll drive off right and uh, uh, so and they had me drive my truck like a billion times mm-hmm. action and I thought well even if they cut out my words at least my truck could be in the thing <laughs> both of us got cut out of it <laughs> <laughs> but did you not tell? I did not time. tell a soul. You're like, I'm, I'm not. I'm I know. So DVR so, it just in case everybody can come over and watch. So I've been a cop, construction worker. I am a cowboy. So now if they could just cast me as the Navy guy and the Indian, I'm the village people by myself. That'd be nice. All cut on the floor. All of the all, all gay village people on the floor. So check it out. Like, oh, did, did did you the spanks? Right. Did you feel good in them? No, no, you I, felt terrible. Would you like how you looked at him? Yeah, it it really brought in the huh? make him all his way. No, it's no. like now I drink <laughs> beer and and sew this stuff up. And that's what I think is wrong with this stuff. I think you can get the things where that you, you buy products instead of right. It was way, but now as far as what you do here, because we're on the ship. You know, and I think to keep saying, like, you know, I mean, because, you know, we have an amazing show and you go back to your cabin you and know, you're locked in a closet, you're locked in a closet yeah. and we got to deal with that kind of emotion. Like, ah! 
and then the silence. Right. I find that exercise out here really helps me. It it does me too. You know, uh, I, I, for a nice I, walk. I, I always go for a walk every day. Try to make sure I get outside. People uh, don't value uh, vitamin D that the sun provides. Vitamin D. No, <laughs> it does, it, it, does, it does, does provide, and that helps with depression. Better than milk. Yes, it does. And uh, it uh, so that can help you. The exercise itself to just to get on a treadmill. I've been doing that. Uh, the only reason why I haven't done it this week as much as I have been doing it for the last month mm-hmm. is because I've lost six pounds in the last month. But Let's talk about that. You have been losing weight and I, I'm right. doing a dad bod series right now because to me it's not about being in CrossFit shape. It's about being in I'm not going to die this week yeah. shape. And I think that's what I got like belly over the jeans. Right. Uh, you know, being able to walk, being able to lift something if I had to, maybe getting out of the way out of something if it's coming at me quickly. Right. Small child, and and so what was the what, what got you on the six but what got you on the six pound train? Like lifestyle choices as far as eating or moving or both. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, <laughs> talk to me about it. what happened. No, he died. He did die. You know, and he's uh, fifty six or sixty one or what. And Seems then suddenly, you know, I'm fifty years old, and and then suddenly you start thinking, you know, uh, this thing can end. Yeah, it can. And you drink it. Yeah, I don't drink at home. I don't drink on the golf course. I'm not a day drinker. The only time I ever drink is when I'm after work when I'm working but we work a lot and we work a lot so uh, I start thinking you know maybe I need to to, you know sweat some of the stuff out and I just I I, sometimes I get tired of being tired yes you know so uh, I started working out and I so I cut out pastas and breads and all the things I really enjoy and uh, but you know is that part of it now I always talk about let's talk about like food intelligence because because you're a comic you're a smart man I've seen you're act you're fantastic you're you, you run a family you, you read books how are you on your knowledge of food because i find that's with everybody like you, was it your idea to cut out carbs or because you saw atkins or what was your what was your philosophy or did you have one? well my wife is is constantly and i love her i call her the go. uh the 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 uh, woman of best intentions mm-hmm. like my wife will read an article and then suddenly i'm the one that has to follow the article ah mr guinea mr pig yeah uh, exactly but there's also another comic out here that works out here that helped me with that and that was Tom Foss. Tom Foss, hell yeah. Love Tom Foss. I love Been Tom on the podcast. Foss. But Tom has this deal where he'll take 21 days and cut out everything mm. except fruits and vegetables and the, all the stuff that he knows so the booze he takes away and everything else mm-hmm. and I've done that I've done that twice now wow. uh, and because everything's habit forming in 21 days is his philosophy that's absolutely true 21 so, or 30 days yes so uh, I was uh, I was happy to do that and I f- saw the weight loss all my weight is really in the belly and underneath the chin and and it's for me it, most of it has to do with lack of activity so when I get in the gym, all that stuff starts coming out. If I do my walk like I'm supposed to, or if I'm getting out, you know, it's easy just lay there in the bed. And oh yeah, we only got seven channels, but you'd be amazed how many times you can go around that lap. Uh, it's amazing how many comics we end up memorizing the really bad channels where they just show you highlights of what's on the ship. Yeah. And oh yeah. When you can, when you can. Oh, I could do the bingo pitch yeah. here. I could, I could tell you all about this. Uh, shore excursion. Regurgitate the fun times to people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, yeah. but and that's always about getting out. And it's always about getting out of your comfort zone. Like even the people at home, you guys got to get out and do stuff. It's always about doing more. It's not about being the best. It's about doing more. And so you, you're already in the plan where you're losing, you lost six pounds. Yeah. And by ch- making some changes in your lifestyle, has it encouraged you to make 
even more extreme ones and how far you want to go with this like what's your what's your goal is it was it weight wise or is it yeah more i want to get to uh, both i want to mm-hmm. get if i get to 220 then my belly be gone mm-hmm. and because i'm at i'm at 242 right now mm-hmm. and i was at 248 when I lost the six pounds, and uh, so my goal is two twenty. If I lose two twenty, then it'll disappear out of my belly, and then my chin will be back to and then maintain that and maintain it. Well, you're hiding your double chin under the beard right now, and you're not really double. Well, I'm not a little thing happening. I'm not hiding it. It's, yeah. uh, I, I'm not growing the beard. It's because Delta oh, lost oh, yes. my luggage. Great, Cyborg. We got to talk about this, dude. <laughs> you have handled this great. You want to talk about Zen? We're gonna talk about meditating a little bit later, probably in the second half. But like, all right, man, you you lost your you didn't lose your, you didn't lose shit uh, Delta fucking lost your luggage because yeah. Delta is incompetent fucking hate you but I live in Atlanta so I gotta take you guys sometimes I hope you have with my miles anyways they're not a sponsor <laughs> but they lost your luggage getting into Grand Cayman well uh, I was we were, we were both flying to Grand Cayman yes. you were coming one way and I was going the other and uh, bad weather bad weather and so I we go from Dallas to around Atlanta and which is normally a two hour flight we're up in the air for three and a half hours that sucks toys getting full yeah so and and we're circling the atlanta you know airport and then finally the the pilot comes on and says hey we we've uh uh got a fuel issue now so we're going to land in savannah which is not atlanta that's not atlanta so and then we get there they've got four gates and they're all full so we're just out on the tarmac and we can't get off the off the plane mm-hmm. so we're there for two and a half hours so now i've sat in the same seat for six hours that's an uncomfortable flight people are not happy and we're still not in atlanta yeah so finally we take off and go to atlanta mm-hmm. and we get there well my flight has already gone to grand cayman landed right yeah. and and i go to the counter as soon as i get off the plane i go right to our gate agent and i say hey i need that bag to come off that plane and go to straight to baggage claim and she didn't want to have anything to do with me or sir you'll have to go to customer service i said you are customer service yes i'm a customer please service me don't send that back don't send that back because i know what's going to happen she goes well it's just going to go on to your destination i said i'm not going on to my destination i'm not going to grand cayman i can't get on the ship yep Uh, sir you and i always hate it when they use that sir because sometimes sir means the patronizing fucker yeah they're patronizing so i go get in that line and i'm in in a huge line i mean obviously when they cancel 400 flights in atlanta huge line oh yeah so I finally get my flight canceled because now they're going to fly me. Uh, Carnival is going to fly me to Cozumel uh, the next day to meet the ship. Yeah. So uh, I cancel the flight and get in the baggage claim to have them send up the bag from there. And they said, there's no way we can get that bag. There's yeah, 80,000 bags down there and there's no yeah. way to find yours. Yeah. And I said, well, I'll wait. And I waited for the very last flight uh, on uh, uh, American to uh, Miami. And my bag still didn't come up. And How long was that? Oh, I was in the airport uh, from 2 until 10. Oh, God. So eight hours in the airport. Wow. Waiting at the baggage claim because if it would have come up anywhere, that's where it was going to come up. So I was going to grab it before somebody pulled it into a different spot. So I'm waiting. What's your attitude at this point? Uh, so far. Uh, just tired? I'm tired, but I'm trying to stay. My wife, my wife, every cup is half full. 
Okay. Yeah. Which Use sometimes sometimes annoys the, the shit out of uh, somebody who's a realist. Yes. But not her, man. No, she's always going to be okay, baby. I know. She's, you know, if Snow White had a sister, this would be her. So, Have a little bird on her shoulder. So horrific day at the airport. And then you get to this fucked up hotel. Tell them about the hotel. Yeah. This, so then I fly without a bag. Uh, yeah. Then I fly without a bag. I get to the Omni Hotel Doubletree. Okay. Hilton Doubletree. Not Omni, Doubletree, Hilton. Shout them out. And no, I want them people yes. to know in Please. Miami. Yes. And the lady's like, oh, here's your room. And I go, well, how about your cookie? I always, I, attractive yeah, woman. Yeah, they have cookies. They have cookies. And I, 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 I've been waiting all day for your cookie. And I smile. She goes, well, here's my cookie. And we'd laugh about it. Never once did she say anything about the room. So it's on the 12th floor. <laughs> the, the 12 as high as I go. Penthouse suite. And I open up the door and <laughs> I'm like, penthouse. I'm nice. Kitchen, dining room. Uh, like a dining table with uh, seven spots or six spots to sit. Deserve it after the day you had. Deserve it. I'm like, Carnival came through. Nice. And then I'm looking around, ain't got no bedroom. Was, whoa, hey. <laughs> I swear to God. And, uh, you know how they have those doors that lead to a door to somebody else's yeah, room? They match so, so you open the rooms. door and there's no knob on the other door. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I'm like, okay. And then I went to the other side. There was another one. Same thing. Ain't no bedroom door. So I finally called down. I said, uh, I would check the other door again. I, would, I, would <laughs> I go, pardon me. Uh, where is the bed? Maybe I don't. And she goes, uh, that's a steeper sofa. You need to pull that out. And I go, fuck you. And she goes, excuse me. And I go, no, give me a real room. I'm not staying at my Aunt Myrtle's house. <laughs> give me a real room. And I went downstairs. I was mad at 1 o'clock in the morning The sofa bed in the hotel. I got up at 3 o'clock that morning to do this this simple flight to Grand Cayman. <laughs> and now it's 1 o'clock in the morning, it's almost horrific. 24 hours. And I'm in a sofa bed, okay? So first, I refuse to pull. So I go down there and say, you're going to move me. And she's like, well, I don't know why you're all upset because pilots do it all the time. And, I, and the pilots were walking in, right? And I go, fuck pilots. And she goes, well, you're a carnival employee. And they said that you could stay there. I go, I'm fuck not pilots. a cabin steward <laughs> I ain't bunking up with nobody give me a real it ain't you, hard no, you're in a hotel I'm, I'm, I'm entertainment I'm a flying entertainer I, there's certain you know luxuries I'm afforded like having a fucking bed yeah that, uh, <laughs> like I'm such a prima donna that I would want a bed sir, in a hotel room so you're demanding but you want a bathroom also so, <laughs> no, so you so, can't shit in a cup like the rest of us so. I know so I wow I so my, you slept on that bed I woke up my agent no. Oh. Right, I called him because he's the one that's supposed to deal with this kind of shit. What time is it? Where, it's, where it's one o'clock. Oh, one o'clock. You know, there you and uh, Saul, get the fuck up. It was Roger Paul? Right. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I was close. I said Roger, <laughs> and he's like, "What?" And I go, "I got no bed." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, but I'll make it up to you. Just uh, can you sleep? I mean, you're only there till six a.m. anyway. So can you go stretch out on it?" And and he has a point. 
Uh, he does. <laughs> it's a boy band. And yeah, I don't I know where to go get a room in Miami, no. you know. So I go back and, and I, I left the key upstairs. So now I got to go back and go, you yeah, bring that key to that room. Ma'am, there. Can I, <laughs> I know I called you fucker and stuff. So I get the, and I go up. <laughs> and at first I refuse to pull the bed out, right? I'm like, F- I'm just going to sleep. I'll sleep on the couch before I sleep on the pull away bed in the hotel. <laughs> Standards drop by the bed. Yeah. And my, you know, I'm 6'2 in the, in the couch. Is five six, yeah. so my feet are hanging off, and it's a velvet couch, and it's a hospitality suite, is what they gave me. Uh-huh. So there's no bedroom in there. You know that's where they throw parties if you if you have you know like a business meeting or anything else. So I'm thinking what all's been poured on this damn couch and and oh yeah, there's all on. kinds of crap on that damn yeah. couch. Yeah, so there's a good. <laughs> It's Possibly. a cabin. It's basically a crew cabin. Right. What the fuck happened? Here? And there's no sheets on this couch, so uh, whatever's on it is on it, right? So I finally pull out the bed, and it's got clean sheets on it. Okay. And uh, I get, you know, with the, you know, you got the bar right in the middle of your back, just like you would at your grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I slept, and I, I was mad. I mean, I was living. Sleep angry. Uh, yeah. Angry. And then, I, you know, I had to do some breathing. Yeah. And stuff. I really did just to. No. You know, this podcast. Let's take a quick second to talk about meditation because we talked about it earlier today. I, I like I like meditation. I I think it's peace, top zen on the stuff. Prayer is meditation. But did you really take some time for mm-hmm. yourself to like? Get quiet and get centered. Yeah. That's important. You took some time. Yeah, because you're like, I can't go fucking nuts. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny, you know, because you know I wear a cowboy hat and and uh, been in that you know whole life, my whole life. But there are times I get in a uh, squatted, you know, legs crossed, mm-hmm. and I Indian I, style. That is Indian not politically style. incorrect. Yeah. You can say Indian style. Uh, and and I'll uh, I'll put my uh, my fingers on the center of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I will breathe and just feel the beat of the heart just to realize that we're a human being and we have, you know, that the only thing is the ticker keeps working. And that's where people end up having a heart attack, you know, when you get all worked up, stressed out. It's important to find those quiet moments because quiet means control. Life goes fast. You have to find time to to slow it down for yourself personally and take time to breathe. I don't care if you're three years old or 300. We all do it. And now, so that got, so you're sleeping, you're angry, you're, Right, okay, and then the next morning you got to get up. Because this this ends beautifully at, at at a restaurant in Mexico that we love. Right. Because when you showed up at the restaurant in Mexico, you looked like you were had a fine day. <laughs> I did not know that this shit store filed. You came in very chipper. For, by the way, first time meeting. First time meeting, William. First time meeting. First yeah. time. And like everybody else knows, my, uh, my boy Billy D. Washington is there. Sid Davis is there. Uh, uh, there Marvin Todd. Marvin Todd was there. And then, you know, we love Chalo. Chalo Jay, Chalo's in Cozumel. If you have a chance, you got to go to it. Big yeah. shout out to Chalo. We love you all. But, okay. So, <laughs> you pull up in a taxi cab. <laughs> you got all your Well, a couple of things. I, I, don't, don't, have have, have, I don't have my luggage. I don't have my luggage. Yes. Okay, so I know it's not coming. And uh, so that morning I get up and I take a cab to uh, Walgreens to buy, you know, deodorant and the things I need. And then I get to the airport, go to Delta to see if my bag had showed up. Hopefully. And, they, and it wasn't there. And they no. didn't know where it was, didn't know how to get it. 
And uh, so I go on to American, right? And uh, I get an upgrade on American because I got I got I got street cred with American status on American. Yeah, so I'm a platinum executive platinum on American. So Delta, we're triple copper. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm in Delta. I'm, I'm always in 33, and the rows only go to 32. <laughs> we got to build more of the plane to get <laughs> right. your ass on. <laughs> no, so, yeah. so we uh, uh, I get in first class. <laughs> And it's uh, nine, ten o'clock in the morning. Oh! And she said, "What would you like to drink?" And I said, <laughs> "Double vodka, cranberry, lime twist." Thank you, please. And I had four or five of those. Oh, five doubles, I think, is ten. I believe that is ten. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was lit up anyway, and but I was maintaining. You know, I'm not slurring or anything. I'm a trained professional with this stuff. Yeah, you're good at it. And uh, so I, and, but when I got to Chalos and Sid Davis one of my best friends we drink more billy d is one of my best friends and there's something about being around your folks that you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. not about just the drinking it was the fact that you're you home know, i'm finally around you know uh, yeah comedy and, home you know and my wife and i always Same. say this to each other all the time because i'm on the road a lot like you are Our, the thing we say to each other all the time is that this is a marathon not a sprint and when I was in that that hotel room, I wanted to mention this. This is very important. When I was doing the meditation, all I kept thinking is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. That's what really chilled me out a lot, that this is a temporary situation that, that is so minor in the vast scheme. It won't even be a footnote in my life other than telling these funny little stories with it. Right? And I did five minutes on stage on it this week. But I so. say, at the end of the day, you might owe them money because you'll make money off the next like, yeah, and I, I will say Delta when I talk about them. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, so I got there, and then we ended up having well, okay, drinks. Okay, let, let me break down. Okay, he pulls up, and you're, you, are, <laughs> you are five double vodkas in. Yeah. Looks, you look, you look, first of all, you have the constitution of a fucking refrigerator. <laughs> you look fantastic. <laughs> Nothing was wrong. He gets out, and we're all drinking. And he gets out, and then we proceed to have more tequila and stuff, and then, and then you went to the store went shopping. I went to, to I went to Mega. I got some underwear. You went to La Mega, which let's break this down. This is Mexican Walmart, which yeah. which actually is better than American Walmart, by right. the way. When I say yeah. Mexican Walmart, that's Walmart needs to step up their game to right. be La Mega. And you got you got some clothes and stuff. I got underwear and t shirts. And t shirts. You come back on and then that night you had to do did three? Three shows. Three shows. So you get yeah. off a plane drunk with no clothes. Right. <laughs> Go to well, a bar. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or hang out, get some toiletries and some some clothes from Mexican Walmart. Yeah, get back on the ship and proceed to do three shows that. But day. also, yeah, the way I know that I was uh, kind of lit up is the fact that I also went to another place and I bought bamboo underwear and bamboo socks. Oh, oh, listen to this, y'all! And oh my God! First of all, the heaven. Yes, the expenses though. Listen to them. I got four pair of underwear and four pair of socks for $102 American dollars. It's expensive. Right? So, but when I'm drinking like that, money is no object. Well, Delta's pay for the underwear. Uh, I bought, yeah, Delta's going to pay for the underwear. And I bought me a, a pair of alligator boots because I'd had no boots. Those are nice and, boots. Uh, yeah, so. I approve the boots. Beautiful boots. Approved and boots. Uh, so. Tell me about I, the underwear. You've been talking about, I've been listening uh, about this underwear for the last two days, y'all. Well, I, on the road, I have to carry two pair, especially out here in the Caribbean, I have to, uh, two pair a day. Mm-hmm. So I wear one during the day and one for show and Swamp then the mar- yeah mm-hmm. and you got to watch out for jock itch and everything yeah, else out here yeah, if this is a fitness thing mm-hmm. so you got to really you got to bring the lotrimin yes. and to make sure that you know you
you keep everything because man, it'll get a burn like you have. You don't I, want jock itch on your jock. You don't it, want. But it's out here because it's yeah. so hot and humid out here that you can get fungus swamp swamp ass. Yeah. So uh, uh, and and they get real baggy too. The cotton when they get baggy, I wear the boxer briefs. Yeah. And they get real baggy, real sloppy after they you know you sweat in them mm-hmm. and stuff. But the bamboo, not the bamboo. They hug you like the baby Jesus. Oh my God. You're not and the first person to have a pillow. Okay. Soft. Oh, uh, we have bamboo shoot, uh, sheets at home, nice. uh, but uh, I've never tried them with the underwear. Mm. Soft, but hold you. I mean, hold the shape, hold everything in. Hold you and you feel comfy? After you wore them all day, you're still like, It's what? like a warm hand coddling <laughs> you all day, like a warm <laughs> well, bamboo hand. Yeah. Not warm, I guess sometimes it'd be it's too It's really turning kind of gay quick. <laughs> oh, my podcast goes there all the time. <laughs> you should, the one me and Jason Andor is the gayest thing I've ever heard in my life. We're two straightest guys talking about the gay shit. But now, okay, so... I'm, I'm just impressed with the fact that, and I'm gonna break it to one more time. You you got off of of of, of an airplane, sort of tipsy, but looked fantastic. Most humans would not be okay after five double. You got to the bar where we partake, where we partake, where we partook a little bit because as comics come home, day, right? And yeah. we love Chalos. Yeah. And we're all hanging out. You get to the ship. You you go to the store, buy some clothes from Mexican Walmart. You get to the ship and proceed to do three. Killer ass fucking shows that night, and then close it out with no problem. Right. And you didn't bitch at all, really, because I would have been complaining the whole. Everybody would have known what the fuck happened to me. Right. Everybody would have known what the fuck happened. Well, that, that, you know. I don't you know. Very I much don't, a stride. I gotta give it. To I you, don't man. know when it all changed for me, but at, at some point, you know, I do. I know when it changed. It's uh, at some point I started realizing that I was not the guy I wanted to be with my wife. You know, like I was complaining gotcha. to her all the time, mm-hmm. and I decided at some point. Why am I going to drag her down with everything? She's so so chipper, mm-hmm. and I'm always griping about flying yes. and and uh, you know the the things that I got to do because uh, you know we have a saying in our camp: uh, I get paid for the travel. The jokes are free. Yes. And uh, so, but at some point, I'm like, why am I bringing her life down all the time, insatiably uh, bitching about stuff that you can't do nothing about anyway? No, exactly. But no. we bitch for comics. We yeah. Bitch. Well, I, I'm trying not to be that no. that guy. Well, see, let's talk about that. You're, you're trying. You're not trying. You're doing. And Comedy Fitness Podcast, we're going to wrap it up in a little while for our first part of our two part series on William Lee Martin. This has been fantastic, man. I mean, I know Thanks. we just met, man. But uh, first of all, I'm a student of comedy. I care about comedy and I, I've, I grew up watching a lot of comedy and the only reason I'm a comic is because of the volume of comedy I took in and it has been really a pleasure to watch for the last few days like I, I'm uh, I, I'm always very honest with people I interview like man fantastic act I really am like Thanks. learning a lot like I mean you're just structurally as far as what comics supposed to do but now I always think that too like comics it's not it's a solo sport it is competition it is competition it is a solo sport but I always like we need people and like I find that the best comics or comics that are most centered a lot of times in their life have a strong person with them or, yeah. or around them and so right in like your wife is that catalyst well I tell young help. comics all the time there's two kinds of women out there to get involved in mm-hmm. and that's uh, Johnny Cash's first wife and Johnny Cash's second wife if you ever watch uh, Ring of Fire uh, you will see that his first wife did not want to have any partaking of his career at all mm-hmm. she even came up with a rule I don't know if it's true or not but they put it in the movie that he could not talk about the road when he was home and he said 
the roads his whole life. Yeah. And and then the second wife, Johnny Cash, you know, granted he had a uh, an affair with June Carter, well, uh, but Johnny uh, Cash, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash. Uh, and that was June Carter. But she understood uh, all those things of the road, and the road the road can wear you out anyway. You need a June Carter, is what you're saying. You need a June Carter you if you want somebody in your yeah, life. Yes. If you need, you know, unless well, I you think can especially find a comic, someone like us who has to dedicate so much time to ourselves in our career, it can be kind of selfish. We need someone, a strong person who really gets it. It's nice so they understand, and we need that. And it's great if they're like, I have a Jamaican June Carter in my life right now. Shout out to my baby. <laughs> Shout out, baby pop. Uh, but I, and I'm really, really lucky, and I, I know that I'm happier. And it makes, and you know, Kami Fitness talking about health. I think it's something as a couple. Like part of the reason, you know, even though it might be subconscious that you want to get better and lose weight, is because you know, hey, you know, part of it is always I'm gonna be there for my baby, whether it's just yeah. be there physically or also yeah. just be, you know. Well, and better for her, and we got a us. we got a gym in my house. You I know bet that. you do, man. I want to go over. We them. do. Yeah. We we have it's uh it's right off the bedroom. We mm. bought this beautiful house last May. I mean, a dream house. Yeah, see pictures. It's very nice. I, I lived uh, on the east side of Fort Worth for 15 years in a little 1500 square foot bungalow with uh, one bathroom. We had all of these kids in the house with mm. one bathroom, oh. and then uh, uh my wife. Is, so we we owed very little on it. Mm-hmm. And then the housing market in Dallas and Fort Worth has exploded. Yep. And uh, so I put my house on the market a year ago yesterday, as a matter of fact, because it came oh. up on Facebook. And we sold it in a day. We had four offers above uh, asking okay. price on That's the first beautiful. day. And so the money that I made from that, I just pushed to this new house. And my wife called me. I was on the road. We put a bid on this house before I even saw it. Mm-hmm. My wife called me. She said, we found our dream home that we have described. It's got a game room. It's got a pool. It's got four bed, five bedrooms. It's got six baths. I mean, it's gorgeous. This house is beautiful. And I said, well, she goes, but it's going to go fast. What do you want me to do? And I said, baby, you, you live in it. Yeah. I merely rent. Yeah. Hello. yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I ruin a perfectly good marriage by coming home. <laughs> it's true. We fuck uh, it up when we come home. <laughs> So she put the bid in it, and uh, and then we went back and forth for two months with this couple, and then we finally got the house, and and now it's home. And and I, you got the gym right there. Are you it's using got it? Got the gym right there. It's Are got a t- got got, beautiful gym. It, it's, it's beautiful. Got, I mean, it's TV? got well, it's got the TV. It's also got it's a dance studio kind of, oh, okay. but it's not re- great big. Mm-hmm. But I've got my heavy punching bag in there. Oh, there you go. I've got uh, a Pilates machine. I got a lift. Your wife uses these things. in there, and my wife uses yeah, them all. Time and which scares me because yes, she does the, you know the kickboxing and shit so that that make you walk the straight and narrow end. It's yeah. better that yes it's, don't get you know I listen I my, my first wife stabbed me so yeah no it's better to have a gym in the house it's better to have a bag in the house than someone beat you up I always tell people right. put a, put a bag in the house because every time every, once in a while someone gets a little interesting go hit the bag All right I'm doing I do it for my son me <laughs> we've got it and you got, uh, it, you got the mirrors on the wall I mean it's got that this sounds like a nice gym. Oh, I'll take a picture of it. We can put it well, on. I, actually, I won't work this. out there. Oh no, I'm coming over and hanging out. Yeah, you. yeah. Oh, it, 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 the house has absolutely become a house of wayward comics too. I have people call me. Well, that's how cool my wife is on comedy too. I have people call me and say, you ain't "Hey, even home." No. <laughs> now they have to know her. Oh, you can't. And everything else. He's not running an Airbnb, yeah, y'all. No. Calm down, <laughs> comic who opened up for him once. Right. Who's who's listening to this right now? And go, holy shit! I 
up in the area. But at no. one point, uh, my buddy uh, Quinn Patterson, who lives in Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, he used our bedroom so much. My youngest daughter, she goes, uh, "Where do I take these towels? You want me to put these in Quinn's bathroom?" <laughs> whoa, whoa! Quinn ain't paying rent. <laughs> okay, Quinn got no damn bathroom. He got toiletries <laughs> in my bathroom. So, hey, Comedy Fitness Podcast. We're gonna wrap up the part part one on this. But before we go, man, okay, we're gonna talk about the, you know this this next I would talk to you. We also got to do some viewer mail if you don't mind. But okay, man, you got the special. Uh, you got the special that you, you just did. I know you got your website. And it, well, p- please, man, where do you want people to find you? Where do you want people to talk to you right now? Easiest way to find me is uh, the new uh, worked out website is WeemleyMartin.com. Uh, if you knew me by Cowboy Bill or CowboyBill.com, that still gets you to the same spot. Mm-hmm. But uh, WeemleyMartin.com is the easiest way. And then we also, you know, we have Facebook and, and uh, I have Twitter. I don't really tweet as much as I probably should. I know. Even that though I like your Twitter story, man, about yeah, being a better comic. That's, that's, there, that's yes. right. And the story, but you know, the jokes uh, for my act. But uh, I should probably put them on there. What more. Are you, uh, you, you are on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. As, as Cowboy Bill. On there's Cowboy Bill. Cowboy yeah. Bill or Cowboy Bill? The whole, like nope, Cowboy Bill. And then uh, Instagram, uh, I think it's Same. Cowboy Bill as well, or Cowboy Bill Martin, one or the other. And uh, I don't know how to change any of those. Well, Lee. no, it's listen, it's, you just did the rebranding. Right. We'll talk about it more in the next podcast, but it's William Lee Martin, formerly kind of known as Cowboy Bill Martin. Yeah. But like, it's in the transition time. People can yeah. find you both, but it yeah, is William absolutely. Lee Martin. I think, yeah. I think uh, my audience is smart enough to have two concepts in their head at one time, <laughs> even though I can't always. But yeah, they can find you there at the website. One yeah. more time. WilliamLeeMartin.com. WilliamLeeLaura.com and check them on Instagram, Facebook, and all that. Man, it was a pleasure having you for the My first pleasure. part. We're we'll talk a little bit more. You got, you got. I got three shows tonight. You got two. You killed it last night. I get, I get to follow this. This is fantastic. But this is a good thing, man. It make you do. It makes you, it makes you work hard and raise your game. And I'm tonight's going to be fantastic. So it's gonna be fun. So let's see if I survive. But ladies and gentlemen, this Comedy Fitness Podcast is always laugh your ass off. Thank Absolutely. you so much, William Lee Martin. Thanks, buddy. Peace. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>